Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you to our worship teams at all of our locations. I know they're doing a fantastic job this morning leading us in worship. Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to preach this morning on this subject. I'm just calling it the holiday blues, but I'm going to preach on a cure for the holiday blues. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, that'll make sense as we get there in just a moment. I love doing things like what I'm about to do on uh, holidays, uh, especially I love doing it at Thanksgiving and Christmas time as we kind of look at a snapshot of what uh, Thanksgiving is like in America. And so let me just, let me, let me not even be spiritual. I'm not, this, none of this spiritual stuff. I'm going to talk turkey for a minute, all right? Let's talk about turkey in America. For example, America's turkey craving, the percent of Thanksgiving dinner hosts who are planning on serving a select tie. So, so 34% of Americans are planning on serving a large turkey, 34% an average size turkey, 18% a small turkey, 3% a tiny turkey, and 4% are not serving a turkey at all. What, what do you do? Are you a communist if you're not serving turkey on Thanksgiving? We do, we do Walmart delivery. I love Walmart delivery. And my wife put a turkey in the cart the other day. And it worked out great, but it came, it came in the cart. And we normally get like a 16, 18 pound turkey. They shipped us a 24 pound turkey. So we're in this category right here, right here. We're in this category. Now I want to do some polls. I, want to do some, I love doing polls. Let me do some polls. When it comes to turkey, it's white meat, dark meat, or mixed. Let's just see where you land, all right? White meat only. Let me see your hand. Oh, really? Dark meat only. A dark meat only. Let me see your hand. That's where I am. A mix. Let me see your hand. I hate turkey. Let me see your hand. All right. Let's, let's, let's see. So we bore it out. 44% prefer white meat only. 20% is about where we were. Dark meat only. 25% like a mix of both. 11% don't care. They don't like turkey anyway. All right. So we're, we're about normal. Now, Let's talk about Thanksgiving sides. We're actually celebrating uh, one of our family's Thanksgiving at my house today. So uh, yesterday, my wife cooked all day prepping for uh, lunch today, and we got turkey and all, all the fixings going on today for sure. And there are certain size, sides that are required for uh, Thanksgiving, right? There are certain sides. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, uh, and Dalton Rossville, Online, you do the same thing, right? Right here in Rock Spring. I want you, on the count of three, to yell out the side you hate the most. You would never put it on your plate, all right? Think for, think for five seconds. One, two, three. Say it. It's all the same. Right, all right, let's, so let's, see, let's see. According to Instacart poll. Candied yams is the most hated side. How many of you are there? Oh, really? I love them. Number two, green bean casserole. How many of you are there? Oh, that's hilarious. This one makes me mad. Cranberry sauce. Cran cranberry sauce? 
It's like a dessert. Cranberry sauce is, I live for cranberry sauce. And then sweet potato casserole, stuffing, salad. Who makes salad on things? Uh, uh, mashed potatoes and dinner roll. Right. So, so let, me, let me go back to cranberries for a minute, all right? I'm, I'm going to stand in front of the screen. I'm going to stand in front of the screen. There are, there are, uh, there are basically, there's three ways to eat cranberry sauce. But there's two primary ways. Uh, one way is homemade cranberry sauce, and the other way is out of a can. So let me, do a, let me do a survey. All right, you're at a campus online. I want you to do it too. If you prefer homemade cranberry sauce, let me see your hand. Homemade. If you don't even know what homemade cranberry sauce is and you like it out of a can, let me see your hand. There you, that's what I'm talking about right here. But 37% of people preferred homemade cranberry sauce, and 35% of people preferred canned cranberry sauce, and 21% don't eat it. Now, here's the sentence I like. Further to this, among those who prefer canned cranberry sauce for Thanksgiving, 7 out of 10 prefer to eat it in the shape of a can. That was one of my jobs yesterday is I took the, because I, I, I demanded out of, I don't want anything about fresh cranberry sauce. I want, I want out of a can cranberry sauce. And I got out of the can and I sliced it up just like the shape of a can because that's how you're supposed to eat it is out of a can. All right. So uh, a little bit more about cranberry sauce. If you, if you see this graphic, if the more gray your state is, the more we like it in a can, the more red your state is, the more you like it fresh. So, so if you look in the south, Mississippi has never heard of fresh cranberry sauce. <laughs> never heard of it. Don't even know it exists. Don't even know it exists. They're eating it in cans. South Dakota and Iowa don't even know it comes in a can. We could revel, I could win the governor of Iowa. I could say, you know, this stuff comes in a can, don't you? And it tastes better in a can. Georgia, we're all, we're all um, more. Now, now I have some sad news. I, I looked up... Um, because uh, one of the main ingredients of Thanksgiving is butter. If you're not using 10 sticks of butter for your Thanksgiving meal, you're not doing it right. You must be a Yankee, right? You're not doing it right if you're not using 10 sticks of butter. But I have sad news. I, I looked up who uses the most butter at Thanksgiving. And the states with the most butter are West Virginia, Vermont, Minnesota, North Dakota, and Iowa. All northern states the not the least butter hawaii idaho dc california yeah makes sense washington i'm upset georgia is not on the list hashtag more butter ga that's what we got to start more butter ga now this does not count as my preaching time i'm just playing around right now all right all right now Your favorite pie, on the count of three, yell it out. One, two, three. Oh, I heard a lot of apple. And uh, pumpkin pie, number one. Apple pie, number two. Pecan pie, my favorite, number three. Cream pie, cream pie, I don't know. Cherry pie, berry pie. Chocolate pie. I can't believe chocolate's way down on the list. And then this, this, this may be my last one, but it's fun to look at. It's my last one. Where they make homemade pies versus um, store-bought pies. If you, how many prefer store-bought pie? Anybody? Not, not a lot. 
um, here's what you discovered. Orange means more pre-made pies. This is according to Instacart. Instacart measures pie ingredients that you buy. And green means more pie ingredients. And if you'll notice this, um, it gets a lot more fresh on the pies as you go east. The lone exception being Florida and all the senior adults like, I did that for years. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm done. If you want a pie, Kroger has them. I'm done. I I, I said all of that because I just wanted to have fun for a moment. But when you really look at the holiday season, here's something I want to tell you about the holiday season. We, it's about turkey and cranberry sauce and pie and butter and all that. But notice this, in a recent online poll com- conducted by the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, 75% of participants reported feeling more anxious or depressed during the holiday season. More anxious or depressed during the holiday seasons. Creating uh, an ideal environment can bring about stressful demands that come with the holidays, entertaining, shopping, cooking, bring on and lead to mental anxiety or depression. People start to feel overwhelmed by, by the amount of money they'll need to spend for the holidays. They start to feel overwhelmed by the high expectations that come from Thanksgiving and the holidays. And right around this time, the holiday blues set in. As a matter of fact, the same research says this, The holiday blues is a condition that begins around Thanksgiving holiday, causing stress and anxiety throughout the winter and until after a New Year's. Stress and anxiety starting at Thanksgiving until after the New Year. As a matter of fact, according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, the feeling may be associated with extra stress, unrealistic expectations, or sentimental memories. During this time, people may feel Lonely, frustrated, or tense. Lonely, frustrated, or tense. We call it the holidays blues. I want to tell you this morning, this is a first world problem for sure. I understand that. But it is a problem. Should it be that we are so stressed out among the holidays that we lose all of our joy? And hear me, we lose all of our kingdom impact as well. Why do we lose kingdom impact? Because we are the people that during this time of season should be should be celebrating what's going on in the world. Jesus saves. Our Savior has come. But when we're full of the blues, when we're down, we're depressed. We lose our kingdom impact. I mean, it's a sad state of affairs when our, when our holidays are bringing stress and anxiety in the blues. It's a sad state of affairs that in times of family, in times of celebration, in times of feasting in times of faith and we wind up being down and we wind up being discouraged and we wind up being full of anxiety that that is those are these times but I want to tell you the holidays are uh, the holiday blues are real and it's a very tangible part of life and it starts for Americans now it starts this week and it'll go for the next six weeks how do we cope 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul gave us an idea on how to cope with the holiday blues. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? If you're watching online, it'll be on the screen and and all of our campuses just stand. And and let me read just 
three verse. I'm going to go back and cover more, but let me read three verses for now, and then we'll I'll cover a little bit more just to set the tone. First Thessalonians chapter five, look in verse sixteen. Paul said this: Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated. So Paul is closing out his book to the Thessalonians and he's trying to pack as much daily living into the last bit as what he can. So here's what Paul's doing. Paul is trying to close his sermon out. And like a lot of preachers, he can't quite get to the end. He can't quite get to the close. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul is trying to close his sermon out, but he can't get to an amen part. And so he starts off in, in, for example, in verses 12 and 13. And in verses 12 and 13, he's giving out instruction to the church. And so he says, as a matter of fact, instructions about pastors. And he said, brothers and sisters, give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to regard them very highly in love because of their work's sake. Be at peace among yourself. This is not a, not a verse preachers can really preach on that the Bible says you're to give me honor, to give any pastor we have here honor. But Paul said that you're to recognize those who labor among you. You're to give them honor. You're to regard them highly. And listen, man, this is a great word. You know, one of the greatest things you can do for your pastors is just be at peace among yourselves. If you'll get along, it makes a pastor so happy. And so Paul's closing out by saying, hey, here's some church instruction. Then Paul is closing out by uh, giving you some personal instruction. He says in verse 14, we exhort your brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle. (laughs) Uh, God doesn't like laziness. And I want to tell you, you're, you're not to be idle for the kingdom of God. You're not to be idle in your work. Can I say this? And I, it's not sermons you preach a lot, but it's important to say, you, if you're a child of God, you should be the hardest working person at your job. The hardest, because Ephesians says this, you're not working for your boss. You work as if you're doing it for Jesus on your secular job. You may not like your job, you may not like your boss, but if you love Jesus, you'll be the hardest working person in your place. So he said, warn those who are idle. Comfort the discouraged. We're to be encouragers. Help the weak. It it literally says in the Greek, it says, take tender care of the weak. And finally, to be patient with everyone. He, He goes on to say in verse 15, Don't render evil for evil. Pursue only what is good. We're forbidden in verse 15 to have any form of retribution, whether that's aggressive retribution or passive aggressive retribution. We're to not do it all, any of it. So here's what you need to know about this letter Paul is writing. The Christians in Thessalonica were being severely persecuted. Get this, their property was being seized by the government. Because they were worshiping Jesus. We may not be far away. Hear me, we may not be far away. Workers were stopped from practicing their trades because they were Christians. We may not be far away. There are people that if they had their way would do it now. It was cancel culture in Paul's day in Thessalonica. Those who were who found a new faith, were shunned by their families. They were insulted, some were beaten, and some were put to death. They were expecting suffering of the worst kind 
Paul is deeply concerned for these young Christians because here they have trusted Christ and some of them have, are being persecuted, their property's being seized, they've lost their jobs, their family have turned away from them and they're even being put in jail or worse. And so you can imagine the anxiety that they're facing just for practicing their faith. And so Paul has a personal word for them. Paul recognizing their anxiety. Paul recognizing the potential for the blues. Paul recognizing their potential for depression. Paul tells them how they can deal and cope with everyday anxiety that comes with a Christian. And it's a word we need to hear. Let me tell you three things Paul says that help you cure the holiday blues. Number one, he said this, choose joy. Verse 15, it's a verse all by itself. Verse 16, rather. Paul says, rejoice always. So right out of the bat, Paul tells them to do something that when you're down, when you're discouraged, is hard for you to do. I mean, right out of the gate, Paul is talking to anxious Christians, maybe depressed Christians, maybe troubled Christians. And right out of the gate, Paul says, here's what I want you to do. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Now get this. In your head, you probably translate that to mean be happy no matter what. So when we see rejoice always in our minds, we hear be happy no matter what. That is not a good translation of that verse. How do we interpret what Paul is telling us to do? The word always there, it's an adverb, is placed there first of all in the Greek for emphasis. So really in the Greek, it says always be rejoicing in the Greek, right? Always is an interesting adverb. It means at all times, constantly, or get this, here's the best definition I could find. It means every when, every when. So Paul says every when rejoice. Now you look at the word rejoice and it means to be glad or a state of happiness or well-being. But get this, it denotes not just a feeling, but an action you choose. So how does this help this, this always when choose joy? Always when choose joy. Well, how does that help my anxiety or my stress? And here's what we discover and write this down in your notes. Joy is a choice before it is a feeling. Joy is a choice before it is a feeling. Joy is a choice before it is a feeling. That is this. Paul is giving you a command, an admonition that says this. You choose to have joy And once you choose to have joy, you will then have joy. Notice this. I can say it this way. You might want to jot this down. Actions do not follow feelings. Feelings follow action. See, action, feelings were never meant to be our motivator. Actions are meant to be the catalyst for our feelings. That's why I tell 
married, married couples. The one reason they don't feel in love is they're not acting like people that are in love. If you'll start acting like you're in love, uh, uh, God said that in Revelation. Let's go back and do the first things. He didn't say go back and feel the first things. He said go back and do the first things. Action, if you'll do the action first, the feelings always follow. And Paul is trying to tell us this here in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, that actions follow, or feelings follow actions. Actions don't follow feelings. Feelings follow actions. So here's what he's saying. If you don't want anxiety, if you want some anxiety relief, if you want some stress relief, don't wait till the world is kind to you. Can I tell you this? If you're waiting on the world to be kind to you, it probably never will. The church of Thessalonica, the world in their lifetime was never going to be kind to them. And it's in that environment that Paul said, choose joy at all times. Listen, even when your world is upside down, even when you have reason to be down, even when you have reasons to be blue and to be discouraged and to be hurting, here's what Paul said. If you don't choose joy, you'll never have joy. If you don't choose it, you're never going to have it. And if you'll choose to have joy at all times, you will eventually have joy at all times. If you choose to have it, you'll eventually get it. And psychology confirms what the Bible says. If you're feeling down, the advice goes try to smile. That maybe the physical manifestation of feeling good can lift your spirits. It's known as this, the facial feedback hypothesis. There's a paper published recently in the, natu- the, the journal Nature, Human Behavior. And Nicholas Coles, who is a psychologist, pulled in 3,878 people from different countries. And he, he did a little misdirection, but so he wouldn't skew the results. But here's what he did. None of the participants knew what the study was about. And again, 3,800 people is a lot of people. And he wanted to see how an artificial smile would influence their mood. And so people were given decoy instructions to see if a forced smile worked. For example, I don't have a pen. They were, here's my app. They were forced to put a pen between their mouth and do this. And it was a fake smile. They were, um, they were given a photo of an actor who was smiling and they were told to mimic his face. Some were just told to smile. Others were told to maintain a neutral expression. They were then given a questionnaire looking into their happiness and anxiety levels along with a math problem to solve, trying to mask what they were doing. What was the result? Happiness increased in those smiling or mimicking a smiling actor compared to those who were holding a fixed expression. Cole told the Times that The conscious experience of emotion must be at least partially based on bodily sensations. In other words, choosing the smile made them happier. This facial feedback hypothesis said, even if you'll choose to smile when you don't feel like smiling, eventually you'll feel like smiling because you chose to smile. And it's the exact advice 
Paul gave us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Choose joy. God doesn't say to us, feel joy. He says, choose joy. God doesn't say to us, find joy. He says, choose joy. God doesn't say experience joy. He says choose joy. God doesn't say buy joy. He says choose joy. God doesn't say get joy. He says choose joy. And when you choose joy, your whole life gets better and your stress level goes down. As a matter of fact, if you'll choose joy, here's what we know about that. And and man, I I debated on putting all this on the screen, but I was going to preach an hour this morning if I did all this. But listen to this. All the research shows this. Laughter relaxes your whole body and reduces anxiety. Laughter boosts your immune system. Laughter triggers the release of endorphins. Endorphins are your feel-good chemicals. Laughter protects your heart. Laughter burns calories. Hey, you, you got a week here. You need to burn some calories. Right? Choose some joy somewhere along the way. Laughter lightens anger's heavy load. Laughter may even help you live longer. A study in Norway found that people with a strong sense of humor uh, outlived those who didn't laugh as much. And it was even noticeable in people who were battling cancer. Choose joy. And listen, the Bible, Bible's full of this admonition. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, you're blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you. Now, just hold on. Read the Bible, right? Read it. Now, really look at it. You are blessed blessed when they insult you and persecute you i don't feel blessed when people are insulting me and persecuting me and lying about me but here's what he said be glad and rejoice he didn't say feel glad he didn't say feel joy he didn't say get it by it he said be glad Choose joy. First Peter 4, 13. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ. It is a command. Here we are back to suffering again. Why, how am I going to say? Because you got to choose joy. He said again, Philippians 4, 4. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ. First Peter 4, 13. Then, excuse me, uh, I can't get it to change. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Every when. How can I always rejoice because every win of my life does not feel like joy. But Paul, here's what Paul's saying again. You've got to choose joy if you want to have joy. What if I told you this morning that your joy was in your own hands? Listen, it's not in your spouse's hands. It's not in your parents' hands. It's not in your kids' hands. It's not in your boss's hand. It's not in your mom's hand or your dad's hand. They can't take your joy away from you. You can only give it to them. So don't give it away. Choose joy. Choose to be joyful despite your circumstances because you know in the end we win. Too many of us have given our joy away. Quit giving your joy away to others. You take it back. You choose it. You reduce your own anxiety and stress level and chase away the blues. Listen, that means you smile on purpose. That means you, you, you show joy on purpose. You show happiness on purpose. You say, preacher, I don't feel like it. No, but when you don't feel like it is when you need to do it the most. Paul said, in all this suffering, you know, this only in church, by the way, some of you are going to lose your jobs. Some of you are going to lose your house. Some of you are going to lose your friends. Some of you are going to lose your family. Listen to me. Some of you are going to lose your life. In the midst of all that, choose joy. 
if the Thessalonican church could choose joy in the midst of what they were going through, how much more should we be able to choose joy? Point number two, he said this, start praying. He said in verse 17, I love that these two verses, these two, four words get two verses. Here's what he said, verse 17, pray constantly. Start praying. In, in, the, in the Greek, the words are in the reverse order again for emphasis. It is the word constantly comes first. You, you would think always with rejoice and constantly with prayer would be the same word, but it's not. Constantly there in the Greek means unceasingly without intermission or permanent. So that modifier on the word pray, you know what pray is, talking and requesting of God. So here's what Paul says, that you are to unceasingly pray, that you're without intermission to pray, that you're to permanently to play. So how are we supposed to flesh out that we're to talk to God permanently without intermission? Now, Obviously, Paul, because Paul didn't live this way, Paul doesn't mean on your knees all the time getting nothing done. He's already told you not to be lazy. What it, is, what it does mean is this, that my days should be filled with talking to God. Does that mean a morning quiet time? Yes, it does. Does that mean a prayer throughout the day? Yes, it does. Does that mean praying for things as God brings into my mind? Yes, it does. Does that mean praying for people when I see them? Yes, it does. You say, preacher, I don't have time to be communicating with God all day long. You're already communicating all day long. Just not with God. Five billion people globally send and receive Text messages. That's about 65% of the world's population. 292 million people live in North America use text messaging. That's 80% of the total population. People in the U.S. send text messages twice as much as they call. Of course not. Of course we do. I assume if I get a phone call, it's spam. Stats also show that text messages are 10 times quicker than phone calls. Gen Z sends and receives 3,858 text messages per month. Month. So they're, they're texting, well, hey, 25 to 34 send 2,200 a month. 35 to 44, 1,500 a month. 45 to 54, 1,000 a month. Those older than 55 are still sending 500 text messages a month. And yet you would say to me, I don't have time to be praying all day long, but already you're communicating all day long just with the wrong people. When the blues, when anxiety start creeping into your life, that's when you need to pray. Have a daily quiet time and pray. Feeling anxious, pray. Feeling overwhelmed, pray. Confused, pray. Fearful, pray. Hurt, pray. Pray, should you be on your knees in a concentrated time of prayer? Yes, you should. But develop your relationship with God so that you can pray whenever and wherever you need to. One comes after the other. How much praying are you doing? I mean, we're, we're, we're talking to people. Are we talking to God? How much praying are you doing? I mean, if you added it up, are you sending more messages over a phone than you are to heaven when you worry and you're full of anxiety do you stop and pray see we'll go around all day long filled with anxiety we'll go around all day long filled with worry 
We'll go around all the day long and just dreading this and dreading that and worrying about this and worrying about that. When all the while, maybe God has that worry on our mind, so we'll stop and pray. That's why I named this point, start praying. I could have said pray constantly, but that's, that, that's too much. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start praying. And I want you to have a quiet time in the morning. And I want you to pray through the burdens and cares of your life. And then I want you to ask God, God, remind me to pray today. I, I have to do that in the mornings. I have to say to God, God, I'm going to be busy today. There's a lot going on in my life today. God, I'm going I'm to go. If I'm not careful, there'll be three or four or five hours today when I've not said a prayer. And I said, God, when troubles come my way, let me pray. When thoughts come my way, let me pray. When anxiety comes my way, remind me to start praying. And when you choose joy and you start praying, your anxiety levels will go down and the blues will chase away. Third thing Paul says is this, you want to get rid of the holiday blues. Number three, show gratitude. Give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The final admonition that's cure for anxiety, give thanks. Show gratitude. Paul said in everything we are to give thanks and that is God's will for you. Meaning God's desire is that whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, Good, bad, neutral, we're to so show gratitude. Hear me this morning, gratefulness is not something we do as much as it is who we are. Our lives should be a continual life of gratitude. Gratefulness can reduce anxiety and bring calmness into our lives. Did you know this? Look this way. Do you know your mind cannot hold gratitude and anxiety at the same time it can't it's an impossibility you cannot hold on to anxiety and gratitude at the same time so as long as you're holding on to anxiety you can't be grateful but as long as you're holding on to gratefulness it'll chase anxiety to wait one of those has to be let go and if you show gratitude in your daily life it will lessen your anxiety and make you more joyful, more happy overall. I want to ask our worship pastors to get ready at all of our campuses. Did you know the secret to happiness may be expressing gratitude? A survey of 2,000 Americans examining the potential connection between being thankful and contentment in life reveals this. Look at the screen, 65% of respondents who say they're very happy on a daily basis are more likely to always give thanks. Now notice the correlation, very happy, always give thanks. Very happy, always give thanks. Here's what the research said, that while looking at the correlation between life satisfaction and gratitude, life satisfaction and gratitude, one-third of respondents say they regularly make sure to express gratitude in their everyday lives. Of those, 62% note they feel very satisfied with their total lives. Why? Gratitude. Finally, they tell us this. There's a dramatic correlation between gratitude and happiness. When people are proactive about being grateful, it rewires their brain to look for positive instead of negatives around them. Well, can I say this? There's so much here. I mean, there's some people that may be you. You were wired 
to pull, I mean, you can pull a thundercloud out of a rainbow like that, right? There are some people that you're just wired. You're wired to see the negative. And I get it, man, I get it. My football team would lose 63 to 38 to a nobody. I, I, I'd get, your, I get your, where you're at. I get where you're at. But look, studies tell us if you want to experience an increase in life satisfaction, notice that phrase. It's so powerful. Increase, just express gratitude more often. It's, it's so simple. Express gratitude more often. Express gratitude more. And you see what Paul was saying was brilliant. Brilliant. You say, well, what if I get too thankful? <laughs> It's not going to happen. I, I, I saw this, and look, look at this. Respondents say they receive the most gratitude from spouses, family members, friends, bosses, co-workers. Only 18% of employed Americans feel appreciated at work. This is where your gratitude comes, but look how low the percentages are. Look how low they are. People need gratitude. And by and large, they're not getting it. They're absolutely not getting it. People need gratitude. They're not getting it. So here's what you need to do. Give it to others and give it to God. Give it to others and give it to God. Stand with me. Across the room and at our campuses. So here, here's the secret to chasing away the holiday blues, curing the holiday blues. Three quick verses. You can do it. Choose joy. You say, but my circumstances, your circumstances are nothing like this church's circumstances. Again, losing their job, losing their family, losing their lives for the gospel. And Paul said, choose joy. Joy is not a feeling, it's a choice. Number two, start praying. When your anxiety levels get high, pray all day long. You say, uh, you, you say well, what's, what's going to remind me to pray? I don't know. Maybe every time this thing goes off, you stop and pray. Number three, show gratitude. Find someone in your life you can tell them you're thankful for them. Get on your knees every day and throughout the day and thank God for all he's done in his life. And when you choose joy and start to pray and show gratitude, the blues have to go away. Now, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Here at Rock Spring at Dalton, at um, Rossville. If you're watching online, Jeremy's, Pastor Jeremy's got a word for you, and so he'll take you online. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that great message on being thankful. And my big takeaway this morning is thankfulness is a choice. It's a choice that I make each and every day. And you may sit, be sitting there thinking, man, I don't really have anything to be thankful for. We all have things 
to be thankful for. No matter what our circumstances, the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 where he talked about being thankful and choosing uh, thankfulness. Uh, it, it, all of the things that he had been through, if anybody had a reason to grumble and complain, it would have been him, but he chose gratitude. And uh, I just want to encourage you that this morning, with that this morning. Hey, and listen, um, as you gather with your family uh, this week and, and you talk about Thanksgiving and all the things you're thankful for, um, man, one of the greatest gifts we've been given is our salvation, the opportunity that we have to be in relationship with Jesus. And, um, and maybe you've never made that choice to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. It begins with you understanding that you're a sinner and your sin separates you from God. Believing that Jesus died on the cross and His death, His burial, and His resurrection bridges the gap that sin, that sin caused uh, between God and man. And then we confess Him as our personal Lord and Savior. And if God has spoken to your heart and maybe you need to give your heart and life to Christ this morning, Tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried, but on the third day He rose again. Right now, I ask You, Lord, through the power of Your Holy Spirit to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to You in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time, man, uh, welcome to the family. We want to celebrate that with you. We want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. We want to send you some stuff that'll help you on your faith journey with Him. So if you would click on the I Commit My Life to Christ button that we've just dropped in the chat box, give us a little bit of information. We'll send you something in the, in the mail. Um, and we are here to help you uh, as you uh, follow Christ. Hey, it has been great to be in the Lord's house this morning, worshiping online. Uh, the Bible tells us that He is where we are and His presence dwells with us right there in your living room or hotel room, wherever you're watching from. Thank you for joining us this morning. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening. <music>